Hey, it's Mike, and welcome to another episode of Innovation Room. Today, I talked to Evan Shubin, who is an investor and an entrepreneur. And uh, today, we talk about Game Gym and esports. This is a fascinating topic where we really dive in, dive deep into how esports has, has gone through the roof and, and it's even gone to the level of uh, colleges sponsoring uh, players into uh, with scholarships into college tournaments. I uh, hope you enjoy this episode, and I'd like to welcome Evan Shubin. Hey, Mike, it's Evan Shubin. Hey, Evan. How are you? I'm doing just fine, thanks. How's it going? It's going great. Thanks. Thanks for joining. Glad we're able to connect. Absolutely. So to get things going here, Evan, um, you know, I did a little little bit of uh, research on uh, on what you're involved in, and it's so super cool. You're involved in a couple different things. Um, it looks like uh, we we got connected through uh, BJ over at Trade Show Logic. Yes, yes, that's exactly right. Uh, she had she liked uh, one of your posts uh, with the sixteen lessons. Um, for, right. uh, for startups, and I thought it was a great uh, post. And and uh, and anyone who's posts, I, I feel are strong like that. I, I reached out and said, you know, let's let's get together, see what type of common ground we have. Awesome. No, that's great. I appreciate that. So, um, if you wouldn't mind, just a just a quick, you know, background on you and and uh, and we're going to talk about game gym and esports. I'm really excited about that because I I want to learn more about esports. Um, but if you could just give me like a quick you know, 30 second on you. Sure. So I'm a serial entrepreneur. I launched my first company 20 years ago, um, Results Now, which is a consulting firm that still exists, um, essentially to to sell my hours and my wife's hours um, to other companies and that need help with um, senior level sales, marketing, strategy. Um, I've launched, my, my wife and I have launched uh, two companies on our own since then. We've been directly involved in, boy, now we're up to 14 total launches or startups, um, wow. early stage companies that, that we've gotten involved in one way or another. And uh, sometimes that's cash and not, you know, our hours. Sometimes it's hours and no cash. It just depends on the deal. My, my preference is, is both, you know, to accumulate uh, equity, giving cash and giving our hours in, in order to accumulate equity in the companies that we work with. Right. And so you've been doing that for about 20 years now? Yes. Really started, I mean, I was involved in some launches in the trade show business as a staffer before that. Yeah. Um, I worked on a variety of different trade shows and the organizations that, that ran them, and we launched shows from time to time. Um, so that, that total count of 14 includes a couple uh, that were um, even earlier than 20 years ago. But 20 years ago is sort of when I start, when I mark the time of being starting as an entrepreneur and um and uh, a, a company launch or launch dog, as it were. Right, that's launch dog. I like that. It's good. Yeah, I uh, I didn't do as I haven't done as many as you, um, but um, I started out about 1990 out of college. I had a, got a job selling computers from Microage. You remember them? Mm-hmm. And uh, they were like a retail uh, business oriented computer shop. Essentially, they were selling. Uh, you know, I remember selling box of diskettes. Three point three and a half inch disc <laughs> for eighty dollars a box, and I I remember the conversation talking to the owner like, why would we price these at eighty five dollars? They're they're really the cost is like five bucks. Well, it's retail. We need to mark up. So I I worked I only worked with them for, for 
maybe a year and I then I branched off and started my own thing with a couple of guys and we were basically a, a clone of of microwage we were doing some retail and then business uh systems selling in uh, we were building computers we had a store build computers put in networks software did networking cabling all that you know and this was in the early 90s when businesses were just getting you know computerized really you were a value-added reseller i don't know exactly. if they, they use that term anymore but that was big for vars was you know, big for a while nice little yep. niche yeah yeah, we had a lot of fun with that. I was just, but I was, you know, I was 21 years old. I knew nothing about finances and, you know, how to run a business and keep it profitable. We did okay. But I ended up actually getting a job at HSBC, which ended up being real nice. Um, and then went on to do those other things. Um, but let's talk about um, Game Gym and esports. So I did a, a bit of research on Game Gym. It's a really cool concept. Um, why don't you give me the, the summary of the company? Absolutely. So um, Josh Afkin is the founder of Game Gym, and he was a scholarship swimmer at North Carolina. So he grew up in the uh, uh, Maryland suburbs of Washington, D.C., Montgomery County. And, uh, you know, he went through that whole process as a swimmer. Um, And there's an enormous amount of support for any of these after-school sports that, uh, you know, that, that exist right now is swimming, soccer, martial arts, you know, football, all, all of those traditional um, physical sports activities. There's, there's a, a big support system. When Josh got out of college, he, you know, he, he loved video games and esports, and he um, spent some time with Monumental, which is the company that owns the Wizards and the, the Capitals and the uh, Mystics, um, as well as the, uh, um, boy, it's not the Verizon Center anymore, whatever, it's, whatever the, the uh, arena is called. Um, it keeps changing, but they're a huge, you know, traditional sports conglomerate here in the D.C. area. And then he um, also spent some time at Bethesda Softworks, uh, which is a software publisher, a games publisher um, here in, in the D.C. area, and also for Geico, um, running some of their esports activations. And uh, after that, he founded Game Gym, and, and the idea was to add some structure um, to the whole esports um, scene to, to help kids you know, really from as early as they were interested in, in um, practical terms, uh, our in-person summer camps, uh, when we get back to them, start in the third and fourth grade range and then go through middle school and high school and uh, into college. And, and the idea is to maximize the path for those kids, you know, whether they want to be casual gamers, whether they think they're good enough to maybe earn a scholarship in college, which is becoming more and more commonplace, whether they think they might even be good enough to make money and go pro uh, in esports, um, we want to help them to maximize that path. So we've got a whole certification program for coaches. It's a full two-day program um, where they get certified to participate as coaches in our summer camps, in our afternoon programs. And uh, my wife and I um, were first and foremost happy customers of Game Gym. We have two teenage boys, and they both participated in various Game Gym programs over the past couple of years, both the after-school programs during the school year and the summer camps. And my older son uh, continues to be a counselor um, as a League of Legends coach uh, with our summer camps. Um, And, uh, you know, what we saw was that done correctly, esports, and and the difference between esports and video games is esports is when it's team-based. 
five five v five or six v six or you know or three v three. Esports can really teach kids a lot about leadership, communication, strategy. Um, you know, all of those things are real. It's not just pounding on the keyboard. It's not just pounding on the controller. And when there is structure and a certified coach, and when kids are uh, given information about a healthier approach. It's not just five games playing straight. You've got to take time out to stretch. You've got to take time out, you know, to eat well, and you've got to do injury prevention as well as injury treatment if uh, if it gets that bad. When when all of that is done well, that esports can really be a very valuable aspect of someone's life all the way through well, the kids, like I said, from third grade up through twelfth grade and into college. So what's an example of some of the most popular esports out there that are being played or, you know, either professionally or yep. kids are looking at? Yeah, so I think um, probably the the top three or four, League of Legends, which is a five-on-five. It's kind of like capture the flag um, with superpowers. You go through a draft where each team chooses five characters for you know one for each of the of the per- people on the team um and they've got uh they they need to get to a certain target within the enemy territory um so that's one game uh rocket league is is one of my favorites to watch um it's basically soccer but you're controlling a car and that car has uh, flight abilities it's got you know rocket boosters and that sort of thing and you use the car to to hit the ball uh into the goal um so that one's a lot of fun it's very easy you know it's easy to watch because it's it's soccer it's easy to play um overwatch is uh 6v6 very very popular game and uh there also you know um you've got various weapons and superpowers and your job is to move sort of uh it, it's like the equivalent of an 18 wheeler or you know a trailer you've got to move it along a track through contested territory to um you know various checkpoints that uh, that get you um to the goal um so those are probably i'd say those are probably the three um that are the the most popular there there are a bunch of others of course and and um always new ones coming out but right now that's uh i think those are probably the top three and so these these are games that these are group games that anyone can play but there's also a pro level is that right where like there's competitions and actually people get paid to to be professional gamers right yeah so so this may surprise you but um uh two stories the first story is one of my son's friends right out of high school 150 grand a year to play League of Legends. Wow. Um, they've got a group house in LA with a with a coach and a trainer and a co- uh, a chef, and he's you know at the at the um, entry level, if you will. He didn't go to college. He just he just started uh, playing League of Legends um, at the pro level. Uh, another kid, a little bit older, I think 22 or 23, 2.3 million dollars a year to play League of Legends. Um, there are more than 500 colleges and universities in this country that offer partial or full scholarships um, to play esports at the college level. UC Irvine has full scholarships. Uh, Harrisburg University has full scholarships for multiple games, five League of Legends players or seven in some cases, you know, to, to make a team of five um, Overwatch players. Um, Ohio State has invested $16 million for an esports major, an academic major in esports. They've invested $2 million in an 80-seat arena 
um, where kids can go and play um, which, esports. Which and university is this? Uh, Ohio State. No kidding. So clearly, you know, one of the biggest, obviously, in traditional sports, and they've made a significant, significant investment in mm-hmm. um, in esports. Um, and then the last statistic I'll give you is that the League of Legends national uh, international championship, so the world championship in League of Legends, was broadcast on Twitch, and two hundred million people watched it. Amazing. Two hundred million. That's more than March Madness and the Super Bowl combined. That's so, and, yes, from a worldwide standpoint, from a national standpoint, this mm-hmm. is an enormous market. And um, someone a lot smarter than me said to me, you know, if you're going to invest in a business, you want to invest in, in three, you know, three things. You try to check up to three boxes, right? People, markets, and technology. And uh, we loved what Josh had done with Game Gym. We loved his vision. Mm-hmm. And more importantly, no offense to Josh, we saw the market. We saw the size of this market and how it was growing. And this is just, you know, this is really just the beginning um, right. for esports. Uh, we at Game Gym, we have launched a Mid Atlantic Esports Conference. It's a college conference um, for schools in the D.C., Maryland, and Virginia area. We have 13 schools participating in competitions. Um, mm-hmm. We have a, a job fair and a uh, career. Uh, we have a job fair and a college fair, a high school combine with uh, with with recruiting and um, and college. Uh, you know, the ability for the colleges to to show what they offer. Um, and I believe that one day, you know, people will be watching collegiate esports competitions the way that they currently watch college basketball and college football. Um, it's already there at the pro level that, you know, the viewership right. is uh, significant. And, um, you know, we're, we're building a fan base here in the D.C. area. And there are leagues, you know, there are collegiate leagues and conferences all over the country in esports. And some are based on traditional athletic conferences and some are, you know, that have popped up to serve the needs of either a region or a specific group, you know, group of schools. Right. So I want to ask you about Game Gym specifically, but before that, um, you know, we, since we're kind of focused in this podcast about innovation, right, um, let's talk a little bit, if you wouldn't mind, about how, you know, what happened in the video gaming world that essentially created this whole new market of esports. I mean, this this didn't exist, what, I don't even know, five years ago? Like something, there had to be some fundamental shift that that caused this entire, you know, new industry to pop up out of nowhere, essentially. Yeah, so I'm I'm not an expert in the in the history of, of esports and and what happened, you know, five years ago or ten years ago. I really came upon this three years ago as an angry parent who wasn't yeah. happy with the amount of time that my boys were spending on esports, and I've been converted to clearly someone with religion about esports. But what I can tell you is, you know, that, that you've got a combination of the um, you know, the the, the gaming platforms, whether it's PC, you know, connected PCs via the internet or connected um, controllers, you know, through a PlayStation or an Xbox and the the internet itself. And so the ability for team-based esports to happen and then the games just developing and getting better and finding that market. You know, when I watch my boys play, they've all got their headsets on. They're all talking nonstop. 
um, and texting back and forth. You know, there's a platform called Discord, which is essentially a, a whole communications platform for mm-hmm. gamers. It's like uh, Slack in the business world, for example. There's, um, you know, there are, all, there are several different platforms, including Battlefy, for competitions, you know, for, for hosting competitions. The kids don't need to be, the gamers don't need to be in the same location. They, they don't need mm-hmm. to be in the same desk uh, at the same location. And the, the teams that the other team that they're playing against, they don't need to be all in the same space uh, and playing. And the two teams don't need to be face-to-face. It can be exciting when that happens, and there are plenty of live tournaments. And I know right. we'll get back to that post-pandemic. But I think that's, you know, what... What really changed was a combination of bandwidth and the availability of computers and consoles to kids that wanted to to use them to play esports, and then the games um, emerging. And I'm sure people that have been involved longer than me in esports will say, well, there are also these three key factors that that I just don't know about. But that, I think, are the macro factors that that, uh, that contributed to the explosion. I remember watching my son play, um, I think it was Call of Duty, um, mm-hmm. back, this was uh, at least five years ago when kind of the, it was a big marketing push and they had a, you know, a new version that was all new decked out and you know, this new, uh, you know, video technology that enabled high res kind of video. And I remember watching the first time that he was playing and then other mem- other people would show up on the screen. These are other gamers that they were ended up, they ended up in the same game. And so it was a live game playing against each other. And I, and you know, and I'm my, the wheels are turning. I'm like, wow, the, the fact that this is possible, obviously the bandwidth is probably the biggest thing. I, we learned yep. this the hard way when I was in the streaming music streaming business back in, in the mid uh, 2000s with, with music. Now we had a music service, but the bandwidth wasn't there to actually support the level of streaming that would give you market share and product market fit and all that fun stuff. But five years ago, you know, most people were, already on a high enough broadband connection that you could jump on a live game. And it was a little stutterier here and there, but uh, that was a um, definitely one of those moments where I thought, man, this is, this is going to be something that is uh, just wildly successful. And I think, you know, I haven't followed so closely with esports, but I, but from what I've heard in the rumblings of, you know, Twitch and all of these other, you know, things that are happening on YouTube and like being able to watch these games, um, it's uh, it sounds like it's it's really just a rocket ship. So yeah, I think there's no, I don't, you know, I don't know exactly how fast or how big, but I, I do think you're going to see, like I said, collegiate esports are going to rival collegiate, you know, college basketball, college football. Wow. So with game with game gym, it sounds like there's a in person um, uh, concept mixed with the gaming aspect. Is that is that right? Yes. Yes, for sure. Before the pandemic, one of our most successful um, uh, product lines was the summer camps, in-person summer camps. And and we developed, Josh really developed a program where, you know, in the mornings you'd have education and exercise, stretching and, and, you know, different physical activities and information. And then the, in the afternoons, we do what we call training and gaming. And that's the certified coaches doing drills ahead of time, you know, just like a soccer practice where you practice penalty kicks or corner kicks or passing drills. You do drills to get better at the game. 
then you play the game with the certified coach watching and providing feedback afterwards. So a structured environment, you know, much more like a dojo or an AAU team compared to just free form uh, gameplay and, Mm -hmm. uh, and also obviously bonding among the kids. So um, summer camps were, and, and we were hopeful in, you know, April of, uh, of 2020, right before the pandemic, um, that, you know, we were going to have a great summer camp, uh, season and expand the, uh, the, the, the summer camps from, um, what had been a very successful 2019. Of course, the pandemic dealt us a curveball like, uh, everybody else. We were lucky in that we were able to pivot in a couple of different ways. The first thing we did was we started doing spring break and weekend, um, camps, online and we you know learned very quickly that although it's not perfect it doesn't replace in person for a variety of reasons that you can still develop that sense of community and that sense of the kids getting better and having a good time and learning you know and growing as people as well as growing as gamers and so we uh, continued that over the summer 100% virtual last summer, um, 10 weeks of, uh, of um, virtual camp, and, and we've done selected camps throughout the year, you know, long weekends and, and over um, Christmas break and over spring break, and then we're doing um, virtual camps again um, all of this summer. You know, the beauty of that is that, that people can be in anywhere as long as you right. account for the, the time difference. And we've got kids from California and Arizona. We've got a, uh, a kid signed up this summer for, uh, from Ireland. They're in lockdown. And uh, um, Canada, you know, is in lockdown right now. And they're, um, you know, their kids are, they, they've got, we've got kids that are participating um, in our summer camps. When things open up again, it'll be a combination of in-person summer camps for the local DC area. And then also the option for either a hybrid or online camps for kids from other parts of the uh, country. And we'll see, and, and parts of the world, you know, we'll see how successful that is. I think that in-person is, is always going to be better. And the same thing for our collegiate conference and our um, district esports league, which we also launched this year, which is for gamers of all ages in the D.C. metro area. Um, it's all online now. Long term, I expect that most of the competitions will stay online, but maybe once a week some key you know, some key uh, matchups, some key rivalries in the collegiate conference will happen live. Um, And then the championships will uh, happen live. Um, We are very lucky to have the uh, support of Events DC and Neil Johnson, who's director of esports for Events DC. They're an arm of... um, the uh, the whole Washington D.C. area convention and, and visitors bureau and uh, mechanism uh, machinery, if you will, and uh, Neil's job is to grow esports, uh, you know, within the D.C. metro area. And they're um, a co-founder of the Mid Atlantic Esports Conference with us. They are the lead sponsor of our district esports league. They are the lead sponsor of our three online charity events. At the end of each season, we do an online event where we have education and entertainment sessions in the afternoons and competitions in the evenings. Um, and we've raised, yes. uh, we had two of those events uh, last year and we raised more than $17,000 for Children's National um, Hospital Extra Life Foundation. Um, so we believe very mm-hmm. much in giving back into giving back to the community, supporting this metro area um, that we're in and, uh, and looking to the future 
maybe grow to a, a second or third metro area where there's a, a similar appetite for the programs um, that we offer. But that was right. a long answer to your, your short question is right now it's all virtual. Down the road, it will be you know a combination. We'll continue to offer some virtual programs and we'll offer uh, quite a few in-person programs. And for now, the in-person would be in the D.C. area. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I was thinking as you're talking about the, I'm thinking about the concept of game gym and the fact that what you're doing is leaning into the, the idea that, you know, the, the gaming is such a big thing with so many kids at, at all ages. I mean, they're starting pretty young, right? In, in, this, in this gaming world, um, if they can get their hands on an iPad at three or four years old, they're doing something. Um, and there were some, you know, a lot of stories, a lot of press around the risks of the over gaming, um, you know, that has taken place. And I, you know, I'm at the age where I was just talking about this the other day with my wife about we were at the very beginning of the, the whole gaming thing, playing Mario Brothers and and uh, Pitfall, you know, in, in the Atari games. But I recall, I remember sitting there for hours because I was just mesmerized by video games when I was when I was you know, 11 or 12. Um, and, you know, with such the technology the way it is now and so they're so realistic and so en engaging, kids are spending 24 hours, you know, they're not even sleeping and they're playing through the night. What's the, and obviously that's, I, that's what Game Gym is there for is to help man manage that. What, um, what can you say about that with um, the way that Game Gym is, 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 is designed to help these kids with this sort of thing? Yeah, well, obviously, as a father of two teenage boys, I think that they game too much. I still think they game too much, even though I'm in the industry. Um, yeah. I, we believe in, in balance. We believe in a healthy approach to gaming. You know, any of our structured programs, the, the, you know, the day camps and the sleepaway camps that we're planning when things, you know, get back to normal, there's always a balance and a specific limit, you know, on the amount of screen time. I think something we all have to face is that all of us, young and old, spend way too much time in front of screens, whether it's yeah. TV, phone, whether it's gaming, whether it's movies, whether it's social media, we all spend too much time in front of screens, and especially during this pandemic. Um, to, to set video games and esports aside as one key, care, one key category where there's too much, absolutely, the kids go overboard, and there are kids that go overboard. And the idea is with Game Gym is, you know, if you spend an afternoon with us, if your kid spends an afternoon with us, if your kid spends a week of summer camp with us, it's going to be a specific amount of time that is part of a structured schedule with structured coaching. And even the time spent gaming is going to be spent learning and getting better at the games and getting better at communication and teamwork and working with a coach. Um, you know, there there are not too many parents that say, "Got it." You know, I wish my kid would spend less time playing soccer. But you know, some of these sports programs, especially the traveling teams, spend an awful lot of time playing baseball or soccer, and and nobody, um, you know, says, "Well, maybe they should spend more time reading," you know, or or more time socializing. Um, but but I do think that balance is critical for all of us, and yeah. that is what we're you know that is what we're supporting. But 
you, you're not going to be able to stop kids from going overboard um, with games or with anything else. You know, it, it, right now, esports is, you know, much more on the male side than the, the female side. But, um, you know, that, 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 that both boys and girls spend a lot of time on social media, you know, and, uh, and, and that has been obviously documented in terms of the, some of the challenges and some of the real downsides to that. Circle back to what I said. Everybody is spending too much time on screens. We've all got to figure out what that balance is. We are absolutely committed to helping parents and kids and gamers of all ages figuring out what that balance is when it comes to esports in their lives. Yeah. Well, it's um, it's a really important topic, and it's a really important uh, um, thing that you guys are doing there with Game Gym. Um, you know, I know that. Uh, there was a, there was a while my son, you know, he, he played a lot of travel sports, but he also played a lot of video games and he was deep in the, <laughs> yep. into, uh, was it my mines? Um, what's that called? Minecraft. Minecraft. Yep. And then Fortnite. Um, yep. and I thought, I thought Fortnite was going to be the end of, of regular sports for him. Cause he was so into it, but, uh, uh it's a pretty cool game. I have to say, um, are th- is that considered an esport like a Fortnite? I think I'm not sure if Fortnite is is team based or not. If it's team based, it's definitely an esport. I think it's yeah. fallen a little bit by the wayside, but it's definitely still big, and it's definitely still got significant fans. Um, yeah. It's I don't think it's part of the you know this generation. But my you know my expertise there in terms of exactly which games are um, at the forefront is not is certainly not as deep as, as some other people. So I may be wrong about where it fits you know in the pecking order. Sure, sure. Well, I think it's fascinating too that that you know it's evolved to the point where it's become this collegiate level thing and pro- professional level. I had no idea that it was a part of um, Ohio State or part of any curriculum that that that's uh, um, becoming uh, something that you can actually get a scholarship for. I tell, explain how that works a bit. You know. Yeah, so you know, 500 different colleges and universities currently offer scholarships for esports, full or partial. Um, and you know, the recruiting—they're still figuring it out. Um, the reason I know all those stats about Ohio State is my son is the uh, co-varsity coach of the League of Legends team at Ohio State, and pre-pandemic he had five partial scholarships to give out, and he was you know trying to figure out how how do you recruit, how do you identify high school kids, you know, at, at one. Level, Level, it's easier because the rankings are all public. Um, in other words, you know, based on your performance and your team's performances, they release rankings. Uh, I think every quarter, and um, uh, and 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 it's in real time. You know, it's it's um, it moves and shifts in real time um, sure. that you can see. So you can see where these players are um, at the high school level. Um, that's one of the things that you know that, that the schools at the Mid Atlantic Esports Conference have asked us for, and that's what you know what we'll be delivering this fall is a, a combine, a high school combine, where kids at equal levels can compete against each other, and the schools that are part of our conference can watch that. And then recruit those kids, tell those kids about um, their schools. Um, One of the other things that the schools in the conference, you know, have told us is they want to host our summer camps when we get back in person. That they, because, you know, there you've got middle school and high school kids 
coming to a George Mason or a George Washington or a Shenandoah University and, you know, spending time in their esports facilities, seeing the campus, seeing the esports facilities and, you know, having an affinity there, um, you know, fond memories of time spent on that college campus. So, uh, you know, that all of that tells me that it hasn't definitely has not been solved and that framework is still being built. And so, you know, at the high school level, um, there are leagues that are being formed. There are esports clubs all over. Um, we are not currently involved in any high school uh, leagues, either organizing them or, or participating. But we're, um, you know, actively tracking that path. And we want to, uh, again, make sure that the kids that are involved with us maximize their esports path, whatever um, that path is. But, yeah, recruiting is still um, – it's it's still sort of open territory. It's still a, a blue ocean, and we're helping to solve that problem in a very small way with the schools that are part of our Mid-Atlantic Esports Conference. Um, in a big way, there are companies out there now that, uh, that that are starting to, you know, host these combines and, and develop more uh, rigorous, you know, pathways, more rigorous evaluation uh, tools, and more, you know, clear pathways um, for kids that are, uh, you know, that are interested um, in this. The right. other thing we're, and then the other thing we're doing on the tail end of that is um, uh, we're working with the Fairfax County Economic Development Authority, and they are producing a job fair um, as part of our Spring Summit charity event in May. Um, in Fairfax County, Virginia, there are 90,000 available tech jobs, many of which are entry level and all of which are well paid. And there's just a glut there that they're unable to fill. And so the Fairfax County Economic Development Authority you know, is working with us because they believe that, you know, gamers in college have the potential to be good IT workers when they graduate. And, uh, you know, it's not a perfect fit for everybody, but we agree yep. it's absolutely a good transition. These kids are familiar with computers, of course, and many of them are familiar with coding or the, the rudiments of coding, depending on what classes they've taken. So, you know, that's the other side of, of this coin is helping them get to college where esports is a, is a part of their college experience and part of them getting to college and maybe even a scholarship. And then beyond that, helping them get that first job and esports being a part of helping them get that first job. And uh, so that, you know, for us, we feel like that's a win, you know, all around for, for the schools in our conference and for the employees, the employers, and for the, obviously the graduating seniors, the kids. Um, so uh, we're excited yeah, about that, that. They're developing a lot of those skills that they're going to need uh, for the workforce, you know, strategy, communication, you know, all of the basics are teamwork, probably absolutely teamwork are probably, you know, worked on more so in the gaming world than it is in school in a lot of cases. Yep. Right. I mean, absolutely. We, yeah. I see that all the time. I see, like I said, when my boys are playing, their headsets are on, they're talking, they're texting. There is active communication. It, it is, this is a team of five or six that are working yeah. together on a specific goal and using the tools that they have and the skills that each of those five players have on the team to achieve a common goal. That's, um, you know, that there's certainly group projects in, uh, you know, in, in college academics and in high school academics, but this is, you know, this is real world and it, and that learning how to deal with people in that way, 
you know, taking advantages of skills and working together and, and recognizing what a different, another team player can bring to the table. I think all of that is critical and, yeah. and really valuable. And that's, you know, for me, that, that was a big part of what turned the corner. You know, my older son launched an, a long-term campaign to convince us you know, that this was just, this was not just wasted time. And he did, he was successful um, in convincing us. And then going to visit Ohio State and seeing the investment that they made and how seriously they were taking it, you know, that to to me, that's when the light bulb went on for me. And I turned the corner um, uh, in terms of esports and the value uh, that it, that it can deliver. And the gamification too of, of, of everyday life uh, is, is happening. So, I mean, just, collecting, you know, uh, bonus, uh, anything that has to do with um, achieve, doing things to achieve a new level at something. You know, if fitness is now gamified with uh, the, the fitness strap where you have a leaderboard and who's burning yeah. the most MEPS, right? Um, the, the, more, the more people you have that can understand what gamification is all about, that can be applied in completely different contexts, but in a way that can advance you know, that particular thing. Um, and that's, I think that's probably another benefit that these kids are going to be able to bring is that they just inherently understand the the gamification of how things can work better, you know, or yep. how they can apply gamification to, to improve the process of something by uh, rewards, simply, you know, as a simple example. Yeah, um, I agree a hundred percent. I think there are tons of, of pivots. There's ton, you know, tons of paths paths that these kids can take to leverage and make use of what they've learned as gamers in the real world, in, in the corporate world, in the, you know, in, in, in the job world, in the, in the startup world, for sure. And in, you know, in, in the game of life. Yeah, definitely. So this, this, Evan, this has been awesome and and very informative. I'm so glad we got to connect on this. Um, One last question for you. Uh, so with with game gym, you, you know, you're talking about the stuff in the DC area. Any plans on on perhaps expanding the footprint of what you know, like the the, the summer camp locations, like franchising ideas or whatever that kind of thing. So we ha- we've definitely started thinking about city number two, um, and and what opportunities might be uh, might be out there. And uh, I think we've really we've we've. Um, sort of crystallized what the key ingredients are for success. You know, I think we've clearly proven the concept here in D.C. Um, of, of what we've built here. And uh, and I think that it's a short list of key ingredients that we need in that second and, and third city. And we're certainly beginning to think about that, but it's very, very early days at this point. Um, but certainly, yes, the plan, I can say definitely the plan is to try this again in another city sometime soon. Okay. Because it, it does seem like the kind of uh, concept that you could test out very, you know, with, with somewhat low overhead, you know, you can get a place to um, pull in to get, get some, some gaming gear together and uh, you find a place to actually host, um, you know, an afternoon session, kind of like a learning center, you know, like the uh, Sylvan Learning Centers to, um, to be able to test different areas without a lot of investment, you know, uh, it's a, mm-hmm. it's just such an interesting uh, business model that and and such a growth area. It's amazing what uh, what's possible there. Yeah, I'm very excited about it. I think we've just you know just started to scratch the surface, and you know once we, we we've we've the 
pandemic has allowed us to pivot in some ways and given us some new opportunities that, you know, we weren't necessarily thinking about. I feel very lucky in that way that we were able to make some adjustments. And once things open up again, I think we can, you know, go, go back, especially in-person summer camps is obviously a key, key revenue stream for us. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's easy. As I said, we will, we, we're certainly going to be um, uh, launching in a, an, another city sometime soon. All right. Sounds good. Okay, Evan. Well, um, again, I, I appreciate your time here. It's, it's great to connect. I you know, I'm going to be, tra- be tracking what you guys are doing at Game Gym. Maybe we can have a follow-up conversation in, in a couple of months and, uh, and see how things are going. That would be great. Mike, I really appreciate your time. It's great to talk to you. Great, great questions. And uh, I'm looking forward to keeping in touch. Thank you. Likewise, Evan. All right. Talk to you soon. Thank Bye-bye. you. Talk to you. Bye-bye.